He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. The number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, we got some show for you today. Uh, in the studio, we've got Judge Weinberg. And we have uh, uh, former, I hate to say former Congressman Peter King. I wish he was still Congressman. How about Peter Congressman King. for Life? <laughs> no, I mean. King, uh, King for Life. You go. Peter King, King for Life. <laughs> can, can you run for speaker? Yeah, I could, actually, yes. yeah. Yes, he can. You don't yeah. have to be a member of the yeah, body. Well, I mean, uh, I'll nominate you. Okay. I luck that that to you, but. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he can be speaker, but you don't have the power to nominate him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, hey. She's back. Yes. Lydia is back. Yes. And she wasn't here yesterday. She wasn't feeling good. Yes. How do you feel today, Lydia? I'm 50-50, but I'm pushing through. I'm good. I'm good. And, in the, I'm in the presence of all of you, so I'm feeling 100 times better. Though. And we got a great show today, and and uh, I understand you uh, interviewed uh, uh, John Solomon, uh, and he's, he's coming on the air with you now? Absolutely. And he also has some. Breaking news. WABC. And on the line with us, with that breaking news, is John Solomon, investigative journalist extraordinaire of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us? Well, if you heard a loud crashing sound a little while ago in Washington, D.C., that was the sound of the deficit budget getting smashed one more time. Uh, a deal between Senate Republicans, Senate Democrats, and House Democrats to uh, pass a large spending bill that will carry all the way through 2023. The big news here is the House Republicans, who Americans just put in charge beginning in January, they were cut out of the negotiations. They have no say over this. This was the big fear that conservative Republicans have, that their party would capitulate, create a deal, pour a whole lot more government spending on an inflationary economy. It looks like that's going to be um, uh, the case here. A lot of concerns, at least Stefana came out a little bit ago and said, can you believe we get elected to the, be in charge and we're cut out of the final negotiations a lot of anger, but I think the real impact is not right now because people roll their eyes every time these budget things get passed. It's when the economy starts heating up again next year with inflation. That extra government spending that's being poured in this bill will be the culprit. People will be pointing that and saying that's what happened. Right, And uh, John Solomon, just switching gears, uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida, tell us what he wants to do. He wants to target um, wants to question, I guess, the COVID vaccines that target the drug makers. What's this all about? Yeah. Well, listen, this is a very interesting power move by Governor DeSantis, and it has both regulatory and safety impact. It's a state saying, hey, we don't think the federal government, which normally protects you from vaccine safety issues, has done a good enough job. We're impaneling a grand jury, which can compel evidence to be turned over by federal agencies by drug makers, and we're going to find out if drug makers and federal agencies knew of concerns about the vaccine that they didn't tell us, and they kept you from making an informed um, decision uh, and therefore violated Florida's consumer protection laws. This is a very novel approach. There are going to be legal challenges to it, you can rest assured. But if DeSantis prevails, all the people who have their doubts about the vaccine, whether they've been given the truth, how we went from this vaccine will absolutely protect you to it doesn't really protect you uh, from getting the virus or transmitting it, it just makes it lesser effect. How that story evolved and who knew, who knew what. That That is taking place in Florida. Meanwhile, today, Republicans in the House, uh, James Comer, the House Oversight Committee chairman, named 
40 U.S. government officials that are going to be hauled before Congress in the first quarter of 2023 to testify about what they knew about the origins of COVID and did it come from a lab leak at a lab that was funded by U.S. government taxpayer dollars. So two big developments. Uh, people have been crying for COVID accountability for a long time. Two different avenues where it may come through the state's rights avenue, Florida, and Congress through the oversight process. Uh, switching over to now California, I saw Governor Gavin Newsom. He went down to the border. Was that yeah. him? Him uh, unofficially declaring his, uh, you know, path to the presidency? But uh... <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it's pretty funny when uh, uh, the the leader of the California Democratic Party, the governor, suddenly realizes that he's having a disproportionate effect on his budget because there's an open border clearly differentiating himself from Joe Biden. A lot of people think he's thinking of running in 2024. This is a classic presidential move to move to the center now. Stake out a position different from the president, realizing that the border is about to get a lot worse, right? When Title 42 is lifted next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday in 2021, the border is going to become so much visibly worse than it already is. And uh, Gavin Newsom took a preemptive strike and staked out a position that he's not with Joe Biden on this policy anymore. Uh, the 2024 race is definitely heating up. Absolutely. And then uh, d- the other story that's interesting to me is Dr. Ben Carson. It looks like he's a victim now of the cancel culture. They're taking his name off of a school building. It was a high school building or something. Yeah, the high school he went yeah. to. Yeah. Think about that. A man who did so much work in the neurosur- pediatric neurosurgery space canceled because of the craziness today. And it's interesting. I had him on my TV show last night, and he said, listen, cancel culture is here forever. But you know what? We are going to be able to defeat it through innovation. And he is doing something very interesting. He joins with country singer John Rich and uh, former California gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder, the great radio talk show host out in the West Coast. They have a brand new bank called Old Glory Bank, where they're saying no account can be uh, constrained. If you want to spend your money the way you want, we're not going to cancel you. There are some banks now that are preventing you from taking money from your account to buy a gun or to buy ammunition. They're creating a solution to work around that, give people an alternative. So just like Truth and Getter and CloudHub created and um, Rumble created alternatives to the Twitter and Facebook, and I think ultimately forced change at Twitter through Elon Musk, now there's an effort afoot in the banking industry to do the same thing, to insulate Americans from cancel culture. And ironically, a man in the process of being canceled right now in one event is at the forefront of that, Dr. Ben Carson, brand new bank, Old Glory Bank, launching in uh, just a few weeks. But Dr. Ben Carson, what did he do to be canceled? He's a Republican. I mean, he did so many amazing things. And why would they take his name off of the his old high school building? It is pretty remarkable, right? We live in an era where grievance is uh, whatever uh, the left and their holders in the media and the social media determine it to be. There are no uh, discriminate roles. It's just whatever they want, they can do. And, and I think we've created this moment of insanity in America that it doesn't matter what you did. It's just the fact that we're going to cancel you because we want to retribute. We're taking political disagreements to a level of cancellation that really has never occurred in our history. But there's also a boomerang effect. And I think the more this goes on, the more people are like, why would we cancel Ben Carson when he did so many good for people? He, he separated those Siamese twins of the brain. He did all these amazing things. What are we doing? I think it gets people waking up. And I think just like parents woke up with what they learned and what was going on in schools, 
people are waking up starting to say, enough of the silliness. We're becoming insane. Enough of it. I think 2023 is the rebound year, the boomerang year to cancel culture. Uh Former President Trump, I know we still don't know much about this. He, he put out on Truth Social his little yeah. Twitter version. America needs a superhero. I will be making a major announcement tomorrow. Thank you. Have you heard any rumblings, any idea what this could possibly be? I think it's interesting. He said America needs a superhero. Yeah, so we're we're trying to understand this. It's very cryptic. He put out a little video to go with it, but it really doesn't give us some sense. There's a lot of different things. I said I know he's been talking to people. Can, can we play Superman music while uh, while we're talking about this? <laughs> well, there's some good theme songs there. We could. Yeah. Um, you, you listen. I think at the end of the day, uh, the uh, president is going to signal that no matter how many times he's hit. Many times he's investigated and how many lawsuits are brought against him. He's not going to stop fighting. Love him, hate him, disagree with him, affirm him. Uh, This guy is going to go down fighting one way or the other. And I think tomorrow will be part of that narrative. What it is, I've been trying to get a sense. I know he's been looking at people that he would love to be his vice presidential candidate or new people that might come into a, a Trump administration, too, if there were to be one. It could be in that arena. It could be something entirely different. Maybe there's some new litigation he's going to be taking on. But uh, we don't have a good readout. We've been doing a lot of reporting. Haven't been able to get it yet. But as soon as we do, we'll get it up on Just the News. But this is a classic Donald Trump moment of no matter, you know, there's been a lot of bad headlines lately, the case in New York, uh, the special counsel investigation. This is Donald Trump signaling he's not backing down from the fight. Right, even in that video, he's all pulling open his shirt and he's revealing a big giant T like he's Superman. But I think maybe <laughs> big he, giant T. I mean, not an S. Not an S. Maybe he's kind of listening to the to your show, John. At the end, I'm there. sure he listens once in a while. There you go. Well, thank you so much, John <laughs> Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon always coming through with the exciting and breaking <laughs> news. What do you think, uh, Congressman King? You saw that video with the laser beams coming out of Donald Trump's eyes and opening up his shirt with the big T. And he had a lot of muscles there, too, looks like. I shouldn't say this. My wife just saw it and said he's crazy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair not me, but anyway. That's I want to know. I, I want to know what the big announcement is for tomorrow. Yeah. What could it possibly be? How many big announcements can you have? Is he going to announce who his vice presidential candidate will be with him? Could you imagine Eisenhower doing something like this? No, or Roosevelt or Truman or Reagan, Ronald Reagan, George Bush. I just... Uh, Either that or we're getting too old and we don't know what, what the heck is going on. Well, that could be. That could be. Uh, tell me what, 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 what you think, uh, uh, Congressman of, uh, John Solomon. John Solomon is always on target. I mean, for as long as I've followed him, he's on target. He says what the mainstream media doesn't say, but it's never crazy or radical. It's just really the story behind the story. If we had more John Solomons, we'd be in a lot better shape in this country. You're right. We need, listen, it's not about being, uh, a right wing, left wing, extremism on both sides. I hate. You know, it's it's being common sense. You know, they should have uh, two parties: a New Yorker party, not being right or left, right. not being Democrat or Republican. Just New Yorkers love New York. And um, how about a, we love America party? You know. Yeah, truth, justice, the American way. That's, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, the fact that Elon Musk is is being villainized for simply exposing the truth, exposing the collusion, and who's demonizing him but the radical left? To me, that says it all. I mean, their Judge Weinberg. Their definition of the First Amendment is they get to say what they want to say, and nobody else can be heard. 
That's their definition. And well, I, well, everything can be heard except what they don't want to hear. Exactly right. Right. They want to be in an echo chamber. And I heard this, uh, I saw this on Twitter just before with Elon Musk. Someone said, why did you put Fauci prosecute as your new pronouns? Let me guess, did you find some collusion between Fauci's administration telling the Twitter people to keep things on the hush-hush when it came to COVID? And he put out the emoji of a trophy saying winner. So that's pretty scary, too, that you even had as so far as the, you know, high up under the health administration there, Fauci, the NIH, telling Twitter what to put out and what to suppress and not suppress, according to Elon Musk. Once you allow governmental entities to get involved in, in content, you have a problem. So it could be anything. It could be about the border issue. Is the border safe? It could be about inflation. It could be about health care. It could be political issues. There's nothing that they won't touch once you give them the power to suppress this and information. And you can't keep them happy. You can't satisfy them. But if you give them, they want more. That's tyranny. And Judge Weinberg, really quick, can you explain about Governor DeSantis? He's not technically able no, to empower. The governor, the governor has a right in, in Florida. He has a right to request the state Supreme Court, which is the highest court, to create and empanel a grand jury for an investigative purpose. So he doesn't create the grand jury. The Supreme Court of the state of Florida creates it. And they then have full power with subpoena power to bring people in to, to do an examination. And every uh, grand jury has the power to issue what they call a grand jury report. So it's not necessarily to indict anyone, but they can do a fact finding. They can then release a report and make recommendations about changes of public policy. Which hopefully law. John Durham is going to do soon also on the whole Russia collusion. That's exactly, well, that's yeah. exactly right, Congressman. The important thing about what Durham did, people don't understand that, is the truth can come out in the grand jury report. Right. And so what Governor DeSantis wants to find the truth on is about the COVID vaccines and the side effects that so many people reported. Well, we do have to go to break. And when we come back, we'll be speaking to Charlie Gasparino. There's a lot going on with the interest rates, FTX. Keep it right here. Cats at night. It's cats at night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show in studio with us, Congressman King, Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia. On the line with us, we have Charlie Gasparino. You, of course, see him on Fox Business. He's a journalist, and he's really good at breaking down something complicated into something simple. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Can you talk to us, Charlie, about what's going on with the interest rate? Are we on the precipice of a recession, or what's going on? Uh, we'll probably get a recession. I, I don't know how deep it's going to be. I mean, I can just tell you from the Wall Street standpoint, the big firms, is that they, they are pricing in an economic slowdown that's probably a recession. There's no doubt. Just I'm based on what I hear about their um, their employment, what they're going to do with employment. They're going to call, call about uh, 5% of, of their staffs. They're going to uh, essentially whittle down the workforce through attrition. <laughs> they're going to cut bonuses. So they are planning for a, a recession, and a lot of this is um, based on obviously deal flow s- slowing down because of because of what's what's happening with the economy. From uh, big firms are not expanding, so I think we're likely to get that. You know, what I don't know is how deep, how long, and I what I don't know is if the Fed's approach, which seems to be, you know, a measured approach, but keep raising rates continuously. Is good, you know. Whether it's best to just puke it out of us fast, get the squeeze the inflation out, or is it better to just kind of go slow and you know go down a point every two months until we get to two percent? 
and then you know what we have is a very you know kind of a recession of slow growth that's almost like death by a thousand cuts only over a year as opposed to three or four or six months <clears throat> that's what i don't know and i don't i don't think anybody knows but that's kind of what powell's signaling today we're going to keep doing it uh 7% 7.1% cpi or whatever that was is not a game changer even though i know stocks and others like to say, oh, it's it's slowing. It's you know, 7.1 is not good. That's I, I think, Charlie, I, I don't think America doesn't want to go into a recession. The, the American people still don't want to believe a recession. But Washington, uh, the White House, wants to f- – what Jay Powell is going to do is going to force a recession. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is that – if you are, if you want to get rid of inflation, now sometimes inflation, if left unchecked, leads to a recession because people can't afford stuff, right? But, so then but, but Charlie, we're on the fast track. <laughs> what I said on Maria's show the other morning when when the news broke, if we take we took a pause when when COVID happened. Well, sometimes you have to take a pause and see. Oil is down to seventy one, seventy two dollars. Maybe maybe we, we don't have to break the real estate industry to, to fix a recession. Well, then if, if that were the case, we would have a CPI print that's significantly below 7, not 7.1. And, and the problem is we don't because there's other inflationary pressures in the, mar- in, in the economy. I mean, the stock well, market may still be overvalued. Food, food is still going up. Food is going up significantly. And well, that's a problem. Fertilizer is going up significantly. That's a problem. And you, you can't. Uh, my and, electric and, bill doubled. And here's the thing, John, and I think this is what people are forgetting. Like, if, you know, some, some liberal economists like Paul Krugman will say, ah, oh, so well, I've got a little inflation. Who cares? You know, when you have, like, rampant inflation that's intractable at 7%, it will lead to a recession. It often does because you can't afford stuff. I mean, I, I think that's the problem. Wages. Never really well, keep what, up what with the price increases. Yeah, that's right. Because what they're doing is they're punishing the poor and the middle class. Guys like me and you, we don't care. That's you know? true. That's true. And they're doing that because they're doing nothing with the supply side of the economy. They, they are not <clears throat> loosening up regulations. They're actually ramping them up. I mean – you know, the, you know, we talk about supply chains all we want. You know, one, one reason why supply chains are hindered is because, you know, all these companies face massive amounts of oversight from Washington. So it, it really is a mess. You know, I, I think Biden was lucky in this sense, and the Democrats are lucky that the election was held in November as opposed to maybe January of next year, which might not be too pretty with this economy. Charlie, you mentioned supply side. Is there anyone in this administration even thinks of the term supply side? No, no. They yeah. think it's a, like voodoo economics, right. <laughs> which was a term used by a Republican, by the way. Yeah, George, George Bush. H. But w. Yeah. Bush, but uh, yeah. on Reagan's uh, supply side economics. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, they don't, and they don't care, and they're not going to change. Um, there will be some oversight of this with Republicans in the House. Um, losing the Senate was, was a, is a real problem. For the Republicans, because there's not enough oversight of it. But uh, you know, here's the thing: you, you, you know, it, if next, if if in January we have six percent inflation, and the Fed has to go back to another fifty and keep saying, "Well, we're doing another fifty for the next six months," I mean, you could see you could 
see all asset prices go down. I mean, that's like that's a real problem. That, that's the problem. It's not inflation's not going down fast enough. And I think Powell said it today. Yeah, but Charlie, it's Richard Warmer. The problem is consumers have to have confidence that they have a future and they can afford the things they need to do to to live and take care of their well, that's families. True. And in the long term, if this keeps going on, this is a very bad thing. And if the value of people's apartments, their homes go down, they feel less wealthy, less secure. And that's if they're true. less wealthy and less secure, they're going to be very tight in how they do their spending. Well, that's what I'm saying. Inflation often leads to a recession. And that's the problem. You don't want – and then you you have something called stagflation, which is – That was you know, Jimmy Carter, right? Jimmy Carter was stagflation. Oh, I remember it. I was living – through it, and I'm sure you were too, Pete. Yep. I mean, you know, it was not fun, and it, it it really screwed up everything. I remember New York City. I mean, it, the stagflation wasn't the reason why New York City went bankrupt, but you know, I'm sure it didn't help. You know, to have you know wicked inflation and 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 a recession, and on top of rampant crime in the 70s, and you know, we almost the city almost went bankrupt. Well, My, Charlie, you hit on something that's very very interesting. The city of New York and the state of New York. Have been lucky because they got an influx of federal cash. That's ending, which means, and I did 14 city budgets when I was at City Hall, that means that you're not going to have sufficient revenues to support all the, the staff and all the programs, the social programs in the city and the state. They're going to run out of money. Then what happens? They're going to cut what or raise taxes? Yeah, New York is, is going to be, it'll be interesting to see how we get through this. Um, because the crime has forced so many people to leave the state, they're not coming back, I don't think, and uh, and particularly the city. And you know we're going to have a cash crunch here. You know we actually need more cops, not less cops right now. Uh, so I think uh, you know it'll be interesting to see. I, listen, I wouldn't be a holder of New York City and New York State bonds right now. That's you know as someone that dabbles in municipal bonds, I would stay away from those types of bonds because just the the economic outlook for the city and state is just really, you know, once that federal money dries up and does anybody know when it's drying up? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure they're still, they're still using it. Well, uh, Schumer is still majority leaders and, uh, and don't forget the minority leader is, uh, uh, who is it? Jeffries? Yeah. Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries. So you got two New Yorkers on New York side to get money. Yeah, but Kevin McCarthy is not going to do anything for New York. Yeah, they're not going to do it. Yes. Yes. You'll be under enormous pressure from some of the House Republicans. Okay, I'm going to give you that. If uh, if the New York congressional people go along with the Democrats for New York, I mean, what would you like? You you went along with the Democrats. No, I, I used to fight Republicans all the time on that because right. New York was really the stepchild. So we want the New York congressmen well, we'll to, to, to worry about New York before they worry about, about the yeah, but the what I remember Pete, what I remember Pete fighting. I, what I remember Pete fighting about was on salt, salt, yeah. not on not on these spending measures and all this other and all this all this welfare. Listen, the MTA Pete, is Pete, not going to. And make I agree it. with Peter when he when he went when he said the salt deduction needed to stay if you know all things being equal. You know that was that 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 was that hurt New York, and it's still going to hurt New York. Yep, the MTA is not going to make it. I mean, more people are walking in for free than are paying. Uh, we had. Uh, uh, you know how much here's debt a is significant on the, item. You know how much debt is on the MTA balance sheet? Oh, a zillion dollars. I mean, it, 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 those bonds are are held throughout municipal portfolios. Zillion dollars, and and and, and they, the only way they can those bonds are any good 
is uh, if uh, Washington gives them money. Otherwise, those bonds are not worth what much. Was you, much. We used Focus. to say Chinese money. But <laughs> Chinese money that. might be better now. How about Bupkis? Bupkis. is a sanitizer. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Charlie, what was the other thing I wanted to tell Charlie? Uh, HSBC. <laughs> well, HSBC, you know, they, they announced today that they're not going to lend to oil companies and fossil fuel companies. That's yeah, going to be know, good. I think, I think the uh, the woke stuff is going in the opposite direction here in the U.S. Well, somebody forgot to tell London. Well, good. Let them do it. Uh, Charlie, Charlie Gasparino, thank you. God bless you. Fight hard for our country. Be soon. Thank you, Charlie. And we're going to take a, a, a break now, and uh, we're going to listen to see what, what the, our market did with Lou Dobbs. And then when we come back, FTX, we're going to have the former uh, chairman of the SEC to talk about FTX and where is the money. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show in studio. We have Congressman King, Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia. On the line with us right now, we have Jay Clayton. He served as the chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. He is now a senior policy advisor and of counsel to Sullivan and Cromwell. Welcome back to Cats at Night, uh, Mr. Clayton. I have a quick question. I just wanted to start off because I don't want to waste uh, any time. Everyone's comparing the Sam uh, Friedman, Sam Bank Friedman to Madoff. What is the difference here? Because we know with Madoff, there were actual real assets. With Bank Friedman, we don't know. Was this funny money? Was this real money? So so I, I like that comparison. Let me tell you the comparison that I like even more, which is Alan Stanford. Alan Stanford set up an offshore entity um, that looked like in onshore, it looked like a U.S. entity. It looked like a U.S. bank, but it was offshore. It was in the islands. FTX is similar. It's an offshore entity. It had all the veneer of the kind of exchanges we're used to, but in fact, there was no substance there. So, look, there's a lot of Madoff here. There's a lot of Alan Stanford here, and the point the point that we're all making here is the fraud here is you know it's as old as time. So this wasn't by accident because I've heard him say that, oh, you know, I, I, I made a mistake and I'm, I'm sorry, but this seems very deliberate. Both of his parents are Stanford lawyers. Uh, this kid is obviously very educated himself. It does seem very deliberate and planned, and it looks like he just kind of got caught. Look, at, at law in the U.S., we have various levels of culpability um, ranging from, from negligence uh, you know, I wasn't paying attention to recklessness. I should have been paying attention. There were red flags to, to out-and-out fraud, out-and-out intentional fraud. And I think what we're seeing here is as the facts come in, it's it's much closer or at that, that fraudulent end of the spectrum. Uh, I mean, his, his two parents are very intelligent uh, lawyers. They're both professors at Stanford. At Stanford Law School. I mean, you're not dealing with stupid people here. You're dealing with highly intelligent people. And it looks like he's trying to play stupid. Mr. Chairman, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. So I want to ask you, in the, uh, the Madoff situation, Irvin Picard, who's a trustee, was able to claw back substantial monies. What's the likelihood of clawing back here in this situation? Oh, Your Honor, that's such a good question. Um, you know, look there, that was a, that was a long-running fraud where people were actually continuing to put money in. 
Um, here, I, look, I don't know for sure. We, we have really good people on the case now, but uh, you know, I, I if I had to guess, uh, I don't think you're going to get substantial sums back here. Uh, Jay, this is Steve Moore here, and uh, I just wanted to ask you two quick questions about this whole case. Uh, number one, um, you know, what sh- shocks me about this is how gullible some of these investors were. And it's almost as if uh, Sam would go into these meetings and say, you know, uh, gee, uh, I'm uh, I'm uh, into ESG and I care about the environment and all these things. And all of a sudden, um, you know, the people invested in in uh, in this Ponzi uh, scheme. But the other question I had had to do with um, can can these investors get their money back from the politicians who took money from FTX? Okay, so so look, I think you're asking a couple of. Uh, Seth uh, goes into political, and Jay doesn't go into political. He talks about strictly SEC type stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 No, no. We respect you. I, I respect your time and your uh, and uh, uh, the. You know, what did they once say? Uh, there's a sucker born every day, and, 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 yeah, right. and uh, these people have been conned. And two to take them. I mean, and my belief is that uh, uh, Bitcoin is not too far behind. And look, you know, here's the great thing. Let me, let me say this about America. We've had two hearings. Um, we've, got a, we've got a bankruptcy process that's incredibly transparent. And, you know, we will learn the facts here. And hopefully, hopefully um, you know, we'll learn from them. Yes, yes. Doesn't this mean that we actually, uh, Mr. Chairman, that we have to take a real hard look at regulating these cryptocurrencies, a comprehensive scheme under the SEC, and statutory amendments if necessary? Exactly. And you've been saying that for a while. Look, I think that our laws are incredibly strong. Um, one of the issues here uh, has been in an attempt to say, Look, we don't want to apply with all the rigors of the U.S. securities laws, so we're either going to argue that they don't apply or we're going to move offshore. I think I think public opinion is saying get onshore and comply with the law. So, Mr. Chairman, anything else you want to tell uh, the American people? Um, look, it, you know, anytime you have a combination of euphoria, a new technology, and lightly regulated industry, you have, you have an incredible opportunity for misconduct. Always be cautious when you have that kind of combination. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Jay Clayton, for all that you do and just uh, getting the truth out, just speaking the facts. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you all. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. And who walked right into the studio? Steve Man, Moore. Ran in. What? Ran in. Ran, ran, ran in. Oh, ran in. Ran, oh, ran, ran across I, saw, I was watching you on Fox. <laughs> yes. On, on our studio television. Yes. And and I, I bet, I bet one dollar. <laughs> We looked at the traffic, and we're like, he's not going to make it. Somebody owes me a dollar. I said, there's no way Steve Moore's going to make it to WABC Studios on time from Fox. That means you owe. We don't owe you. owe. (laughs) And he made it on time. From the west side to the east side. Good job. Yeah, there you go. From 6th Avenue to 3rd. Right by the Christmas tree. Absolutely. Well, it's a busy day for economists because of what the Fed 
did today. And so everybody's trying to figure out what he's saying. What does he mean? The markets you know, went out, then they went down, and it's been a roller coaster. So they issued its smallest interest rate hike since June. Right. So why why that? Why this tiny little thing? It's just uh, they're tr- slowly torturing us. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Well, remember, Jerome Powell doesn't have the best record in terms of dealing with inflation. Remember, about this time last year, he's talking about transitory right. inflation and it was going to go away <laughs> soon. And so, um, look, you want the good news or the bad news? I guess the good news. Let's start with the good news. Is like we are seeing some improvement in inflation. There's no question about it. We were at mm-hmm. 9% a few months ago. Now we're down to 7%. The last month, There was, because of the big reduction in energy prices, there wasn't much inflation month over month. But we're still way, way away from the two. Two to three percent target that the Fed set, so they want it. They want that inflation rate at two percent, and so the Fed uh, raised rates by uh, another half a percentage point. I think they're going all the way up to five percent. So that means they're not done yet. There's going to be probably where are they at now? Four point. I think they're at four point two five. Do you, okay. I don't know if you have, do you have that number? It's. I think they're at four point two five now. But um, look. The reason we have inflation is because we've had an out-of-control Congress that is spending $4 trillion that we don't have. And what it is is, I mean, you were in Congress. you know. I mean, you've got this helicopter money that's just pouring into the uh, economy, and it's, it's you know, as sure as the sun rising in the east and setting in the west that you were going to have inflation out of this. So my point is the, the impetus is not just on the Federal Reserve Board. It's on Congress to get control of this spending. Think they're going to do that, John? Well, you know, you're saying you're blaming the spending of Congress for the inflation. I am betting they're making oil and fossil fuels the enemy of That's the people. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Oh, so is right. it both or is yes. it one of the most? I, I, I think it's both. I think it's both, John. I think it's both. But I think, I think, I think, I think people are that. also spending like they are getting the free money still. And once that free money ends, they they have well, to curb their They're trying to pass additional money before uh, yes. this Congress. Uh, they brought back. I mean, yes. you know, I'm concerned the Republicans. They want to do another big omnibus spending bill. I don't understand the logic of it. But John, you are exactly right. You got to control. In other words, let's put it like this: We need to control the government sector yes. and grow the private sector, right? And, and the energy industry, which is something you're an expert in, is a major, major part of the U.S. economy. And increase the supply of oil. Yes, and drill, baby, drill. The other thing I worry about, uh, and I, I kind of want your guys' take on this, is when you get these rising interest rates. It puts a real strain on the housing market, and the housing market has exactly really right. weakened in the last few months. Now you sound like John, and it makes your okay. house yeah. less valuable. You agree. Okay, John. And if you feel like you're less valuable, you Peter, I agree with you, John. If you have a house with a three percent mortgage on it, why would you sell it and go and buy another house for seven percent? Yeah, exactly. You're right. exa- and exactly. that's the why the construction housing- industry is going to come to a right. standstill. So basically, we have very little new housing starts right now. We have home sales are slowing down. And you nailed it, John. It's because when you have a higher mortgage rate, that hurts both the buyer right. and, and the seller. seller. Right. They both get hurt. How by many that. young buyers can afford that? They can't. can't. And housing prices have also gone down to compensate for those higher interest right. prices. And when that's- housing prices go down. Yeah. In the terms of the wealth effect, consumer confidence, you spend less. That's right. But see, the other point of this is that the house price goes down, but if you're a buyer, you don't get a benefit right. because you're going to have to pay more on your rate. 30 mortgage. You know, you're going to have to pay higher mortgage payments. The estimate is that by, that when you see um, these interest rates uh, go up like this, 
um, you're talking about for like a $500,000 home, right. you're going to pay an extra $100,000 in mortgage payments. So you see, the huh. as you yeah. were just saying, the buyer and the seller get screwed when you have higher rates. And again, I think a lot of people are spending their money as if it's still free money. They're expecting it. more money. I drive by the Cross County Shopping Center on my way to work every day, and it's still packed. People are just buying and buying and buying frivolously because they think the government will simply send them more money. And, and they've been kind of acculturated to that because that's yes. all we've been doing for the last three yes. years. Welcome but to the look, Weimar Republic. Look at what's happening to one of the scariest statistics to me is what's happened to credit card debt over the last three months. Yes. So people are trying to maintain their living standard, even though inflation is higher. Right. So they're renting out bigger, bigger. By the way, have you seen what the interest rate payments are on credit card debt? <laughs> You're paying 15 or 20% yeah. on a credit card debt. So I, I called my credit card company just a little. He's telling you to just speak closer to the microphone. Speak closer to the microphone. Okay. Closer. So I called my credit card. I had an unauthorized charge, and we just got into the conversation with the customer service representative, yep. and she said, you would not believe how many people are calling me, telling me they can't even make their minimum payments anymore. Oof. So to your point, Steve yeah. Moore, that's what I think is happening. People have become accustomed to their their higher lifestyle because of all this free money that's coming in, and they're not adjusting their spending habits exactly. due to the inflation. We've got a few more minutes before we go to Dr. Mark Siegel, and he's a one great guy, this Mark Siegel. Uh, tell us about uh, uh, FTX. Uh, we had the former yeah. uh, chairman of the <laughs> SEC on, uh, and he had his opinions. Give us your opinions. What the heck is going on? Are, are people that stupid to just put money in? And big funds put money in there. Yeah, it was it. You know, it was a classic Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. It, that's all you can say about it. And then you you asked the question, and I've been puzzled about this in my own mind. Why would people invest in something like this? And I really, this is what I, what I was trying to ask the SEC former SEC chairman is, you know. Are people that stupid that you could just go in and say, oh, well, I believe in the environment. I believe in racial justice. I don't know. Okay, here's here's five million dollars. Invest my money. I mean, you know, you got to give Sam uh, credit. He kind of was he no, that was the, that was the finagle. He, he used he, the ESG exactly. as a cover to make them feel That's good. Exactly right. taking, and the floppy hair and the clothes. 401k money from people mm-hmm. and investing it in this kind of ESG funds. That is a crime because those ESG funds are going to blow up. Yeah. Hear it, folks, WABC, hear it here first. You're investing in ESG money. You, do you think that, that solar cells and, and wind energy is going to put, is going to be able to run our country? That's worse than that, John. The companies are going on. It's Solyndra all over again. Don't they have a fiduciary responsibility to invest in something to give us the greatest return? What did did the White House say the other day? They said. The White House put out a rule. Yes, guys, tell, tell us about, us the about this rule. Well, basically, the me, I, I think ultimately that will be declared unconstitutional. I, I mean, agree with the Peter. Because it's going beyond the statute. That's, Rules are supposed to be clarifying a statute. Right. They're like writing their own statute with this, which is totally... They're giving cover for ES. Right. This is what the U.S. Department of Labor did. They wrote a rule that would give cover for breaching your fiduciary right. duty by allowing you to invest in the ESG. Wow. And they're doing it the guise of clarifying <laughs> the original right. law. That's nonsense. And they're not clarifying. And you, know, you know what I say to people? Look, I, I'm a member of a board of a union. I won't mention which one. And and if the union, if the money blows up, the money blows up. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay for it. Me, yeah. as the owner of the company, I am personally responsible to the employees. Wow. That's right. The employee trustees, zero responsibility. Good point. 
Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, and by the way, enough John, is enough. Somebody, if, I mean, that, that's not right. I mean, right. everybody should be responsible. If you're going to make stupid moves, you should be responsible. You should be responsible. So this is why I, I really, that's why I asked this question about. By the way, Biden is giving $35 billion or $36 billion to the Teamsters because they're I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that if you can't if you can't pay for the pension fund that goes bankrupt, guess who comes next in line? What happened to the money? (laughs) The taxpayers. Now, my point is also is when you've got all these members of Congress who got money from Sam, uh, what's it? Bankman Freed. Yeah. Don't you think that those politicians have a responsibility to give that money back? I mean, the money was stolen (laughs) from the investors. I think they do. But also, by the way, it was stolen money. So well, they they stolen, stolen money. money. Exactly. Stolen money. And John, exactly. do you think that was protection it money? It wasn't their money. The owner, the owner's money. It was the money of the investors. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. So, do you think he donated to the Democrats, thinking that they would protect him and he wouldn't get indicted? Guaranteed, you won't see him in jail. Oh, I don't well, know about uh, that. I don't know well, about he's that. he's in I jail. Think, he's I in think, jail right now, even though no, he no, protested. Bahamas, yeah. Oh, no, Bahamas, he's gonna, I don't see how he talks. Now, one way he can minimize the impact. If he's willing to say that he had deals with politicians, like if he made a contribution based on the well, promise they made well, to him. Well, who was, who was the SEC chairman? They, almost gonna, they were going to make Madoff the SEC chairman. Right, but he ended he up spending his life in jail. He used to lecture the SEC. Yeah, on ethics. Yeah, Do you think course. it's a coincidence that he was put in cuffs the day before he was set to testify before Congress? Uh, Andy, uh, Andy McCarthy wrote a great column yeah, for the New Republic on that, yeah. and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> not not one that big. That's what I'm saying. I think some of those guys could be worried, apart from the moral obligation to pay uh, it back. Guys, now. Were they in collusion? Uh, enough of this finance stuff. Well, with us on the phone is Dr. Mark Siegel, and he's going to tell us what we have to do to stay alive. And, well, I, well, and, uh, don't invest in cryptocurrency. I want to make one Steve Moore point before we get to the uh, to the medicine here, which is that the American Rescue Plan from last year was supposed to be giving money to bail us out from the pandemic, right? And actually, that money, the $36 billion that you just talked about, was supposed to help out small businesses, and most of them got slammed with all these shutdowns and closures. So that's another bit of background of what a disgrace it is that the money goes to the Teamsters and the AFL-CIO as though they can't keep a pension plan together on their own. You couldn't be more right. And then did you also hear well, that the I, Biden- I feel bad for the, uh, for, the, uh, for the employees and they should, you know, I'm glad they're making them whole. But uh, who, who was responsible for, uh, are you allowed to say pissing away the money? Well, I'm going to get That's you guys. That's a legal term of our I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to get you guys even more upset. The Biden administration knows with, that with Title 42 expiring on the 21st, he's asking now for another $4 billion in taxpayer dollars to handle the influx of migrants that's expected to How come our way. How about taking that money there? Okay, the IRS breaking agents. news. The FDA adds amoxicillin to the shortage list. Yes, that's a popular antibiotic, especially for kids. Dr. Siegel. Breaking, breaking news? They waited a month <laughs> after we've been talking about it. Breaking news. I mean, amoxicillin, they wait till there's none in the pharmacies at all. And that's, of course, because everybody's hoarding it and rushing out to get it. And there's it no and Tylenol on my shelves. It. On all the no. prestigious store shelves, I understand there's no Tylenol. You can't get children's e- Either they stole nothing. it or it just didn't come in. We'll get it from the guy in the corner. Right they now. never got it because here's what happened, John. It's actually in China where exactly. they relieved the lockdowns and everybody now hoarding Tylenol and Advil and aspirin because they're afraid go they're going to get sick. eBay and get Tylenol. <laughs> yeah.
Dr. It's almost as hard as getting baby formula, Dr. right? Dr. Siegel, how are the emergency <laughs> rooms surviving right now? So, Mark Siegel, this is Steve Moore. Good, good to talk to you. Um, you stepped on his legs. Oh, <laughs> emergency rooms are in trouble because of flu, not because of COVID right now. We're seeing a lot more flu in the hospitals right. and, uh, and, and less COVID right now because of all the immunity we have from prior infections in the vaccine. So I, I'm worried about the flu right now. RSV is on its way down. So the question I had for you, there's a big a study that came out a couple of days ago that was widely reported on CNN. I don't know if Fox covered it, about apparently uh, uh, 3 million lives saved from the vaccine. Did you see that study? Yes. Uh, now, I think that number is I'm, – I'm not against vaxes, but I, it seems a little bit high. But my question is, number one, do you think that number is too high? And number two, what was so interesting about the CNN report is guess who they never mentioned – with re, with respect to the vaccine, they never mentioned Donald Trump and they never mentioned Operation Warp Speed, which was one of the great programs of all time. And I just thought that was kind of ironic because remember, at that time, they said it would take three to five years to have a vaccine. And we got one in nine months. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Well, you already covered it. My thoughts are it was an enormous accomplishment to not only get it done and get it out, but to get it distributed. I thought bringing the army in was a really brilliant move. And I do think that laying down immunity from wherever you get it does does save lives, does keep people out of the hospital. But the problem is with giving a number to it, Mm -hmm. Steve, is that some of this occurred because the virus mutated in a direction where it isn't as deadly. It's upper respiratory now, much more so. So it's less likely to cause acute hospital hospitalization, ICU, respirators, and death. We don't know how much of that is a vaccine versus how much of that is the virus changing. We don't know. So putting a CNN number on it, they're just trying to get ratings away from us at Fox, (laughs) and they're they're not succeeding. So the question of the day is, should everyone get a booster? Well, I think everybody over a certain age or with underlying conditions should be getting this, this, uh, the particular, the bivalent booster. I like it actually, but I think the tragedy here is when the CDC starts saying five years and up or Dr. six Siegel, months and up, you like it, people but don't, I don't take think, it. I, I don't think I like it have for it. older people. I like it for people at risk. But, because Siegel. the benefits outweigh the risk, Dr. he's Siegel, saying, I, if you're older or you have underlying right, conditions, right. that's what and he's only saying. 35, only 35% of seniors have actually taken this thing. Dr. Which Siegel, I, I told I you this well. before, that you really hurt my feelings. When I asked you if I should get it, and you said, only people that are old and overweight. <laughs> and you said, so get it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Peter, Siegel. You can't, you, Peter, you can't say that I criticize you when I say that you're the most missed congressman in the history oh, okay, of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Doc, you. Okay. Dr. Siegel, if we're Well, seeing, they named King's Highway after him. That's true. That's true. If we're seeing such a shortage of these medications, antibiotics, and even Tylenol, why doesn't the government get ahead of it? Why do we wait until our store shelves are empty? Well, because you just found out the FDA waits waits until everybody's talking about it before they make a move. I thought you could ask me something different, even more important, Lydia. Why don't we make it here? I already know the reason why for that. That's right. Too many regulations and we're, it's cheaper to import listen, it. We're very happy it's to all rely about the on money. China for everything. Exactly. We it's can all trust about China. the money. We can trust China to give us everything. And that's what Trump was actually trying to do, too, is make more manufacturing here in the United States. So, of course, that's the logical conclusion. The logical solution would to be trust China more. Tr- <laughs> we got one minute left. Tell us what else you want to tell us. Well, so there's the mRNA not just making a, a vaccine. Now that it's being used for cancer treatments for melanoma. And they had a remarkable study where they put it together with a standard immunotherapy, Keytruda, and they showed a 44% decrease wow. in death 
from, from melanoma has spread, it shows that technology and science can move in a lot of different directions here. It's not, we've been just focusing and obsessing on COVID and other things are going on and, and we're making advances in cancer treatment and cancer therapy. I'm excited about that. Well, Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you so much for, for keeping all Americans apprised. And thank you, Steve Moore, for being here. Thank you, John. And Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Peter King from King's Highway, <laughs> and uh, Lydia. Oh, I'm I want to say happy, birth- uh, happy birthday to my father. He's 83 years old. Happy birthday. birthday. Yes. He got the COVID shot. He got the COVID <laughs> shot. <laughs> happy birthday. And what do we all stand for? Truth, justice, justice and the American, American way. way. God bless America. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.